The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guns up, giddy up. This is Failure to Stop. It's the number one podcast where police meet society and culture. If you are here for the first time, this is the first episode of Com Center. We are one of four shows. We started off on Tuesday on Night Shift with uh, True Crime with Eric and Andrea up late. On Wednesday, we have Last Call with Eric. He talks about everything that you need to know to not sound like an asshole when you're not at work. So you don't talk about dead babies and domestic violence on the weekend. On Thursday, you're right here on Comp Center with Drew Breezy. Here, we're going to take calls from you, and we're going to discuss some dispatching stuff, sometimes depressing, but we're going to do it in a suspiciously carefree manner. Tomorrow is the flagship show. Eric and Drew do breakdowns of big cases. If you like Failure to Stop and you want to support us, hit like, subscribe, follow, leave us a review on iTunes, leave us a review on Spotify, and let that review be a five-star rating. That will help us grow. We're on our first episode today. Please forgive us our uh, bumps as we go along. This show is brought to you by Ghostbed. Here's your host, Drew Breezy. Hey, as John just mentioned, my name is Drew Breezy. Uh, please forgive the sins, but don't hate the sinners, because we are running into some bumps and bruises along the way here. Uh, we had a little audio issue with dispatcher john just a second ago and uh, i don't know if we're going to recover from him or not and understand this is uh, our first go round with a live call-in show here's here's what i'm looking for here's what i'm i'm looking to do i'm drew breezy my real name is andrew baxter that's that's not something that i'm confessing for the first time to the public a lot of people know that but i'm drew breezy i started out in the world of criminal justice in a communication center as a dispatcher. I was a 911 operator. I was a radio dispatcher. I did the whole gamut. I know 10 codes. I know nature codes. Uh, I know CAD. Uh, CAD was a, a, a fellow I went to uh, high school with. And what uh, eventually happened is I went out to the street as a, as a police officer. I was a, a sheriff's deputy for quite a long time. And, um, <clears throat> there I stayed and, um, I, uh, you fast forward like 25 years later and stop me if you've heard this 25 years later, I came back as a Lieutenant to run the exact same comm center that I had started in. It wasn't the exact same. They had moved locations. They had expanded a little bit, but essentially I, uh, came back to run the exact same comm center that I had started in. And, um, I noticed a few things. One of them being not much had changed other than maybe some paint and some of the technology. In other words, I always kind of felt for the dispatchers because the citizens are quite rude and the cops can be downright rude to them at times, myself included. And um, they kind of turn on each other at times. And there's a reason for that. So I dug pretty deep when I was working up there. I just wanted to get to the bottom of why I wanted to get to the heart of the matter. And I found out uh, a lot of stuff about trauma. Uh, so I want to share that with you, but the main goal of this, uh, of this funky journey that we're all embarking on 
on, on uh, planet JB is that <clears throat> he started as an officer and transitioned into being a dispatcher. I did get wise eventually. Hand, yes. I I'm sorry. What'd you say? I said, I got wise eventually. I, uh, I, I do see dispatcher John in the lobby. So we're good there. I, on the other hand, um, started off as a dispatcher, as I just told you in case you weren't listening. And I ended up as a cop. So in the style of the 70s sitcom, number one, we're the odd couple in the sense that he is a officer turned dispatcher. I'm a dispatcher turned officer. We both speak both languages, although I probably have a more in-depth knowledge of the officer language. Uh, I want to get first responders and dispatchers together on the same page, sometimes on the same phone call, because I know your complaints dispatchers about the cops. And I know your complaints, cops, about the dispatchers. And I'm not going to exclude firefighter paramedics. That would be foolish. There's one or two of them here. I am sure that they're staged a block away from their computer watching. And I will let them know. John, please let them know that it it is safe for them to come in. You guys are cleared to approach. Uh, Where are we going? Uh, So, and... We also uh, will, um, we will not exclude troopers as those in the chat have asked us. Listen, if this is your first time watching anything with failure to stop, welcome. I want to tell you this. We have something called the Wolf Pack. To be a member of the Wolf Pack, you have to be able to do this. If you don't have any hands, let me know. We'll figure out an accommodation for you. Oh, that's our symbol. The only other part of being a, a, wolf, a member of the Wolfpack, it costs nothing. You can be a member to be, you can pay to be a member. It costs you nothing. But I'm telling you, don't sleep on the chats. We, we do a live show for members only at times, but this is obviously not just for members only. We do a live show on YouTube as you're watching. If you're watching, that's the case. It then, you know, turns into a podcast for you to download later in life. But uh, in case you missed the live show, in case you're working right now and you can't uh, give us your full attention. I want you to be a member of the Wolfpack. I don't care what your position in life is. I don't care what your role in life is. If you're an actual wolf, I want you to be a member of the Wolfpack. But what I'm saying is don't sleep on these chats. Get into these chats. It is probably some of the most engaging shit you will um, endure. And it's uh, fun, funny, we take care of each other. We, uh, we band together when trolls show up. Although everybody gets a voice here, please. Uh, this is about uh, discourse, not discord. Uh, although discord is the name of the server that we happen to be on. Uh, that's another story. So <clears throat> I've kind of told you about me. John's told you about him. Hydraman Blue has reminded me that if you want to throw a dollar or two in the tip jar, Hydraman has 20 up you. He threw a $20 bill in the tip jar. That's called a super chat. That will get my attention. And Hydraman Blue, I'm forever grateful. We can buy John a cup of coffee with that money. And uh, because he does make coffee nervous, we can, ease, we can also accommodate our guests with the, uh, the bulk bookmarks that we bought. So the $20 should cover that. So, uh, Dispatcher John, I'm going to bring you in. I hope that our audio uh, issues have been resolved. Perhaps they haven't. If not, 
the other John will be able to talk to you. We're going to go through some voicemails. But listen, America, if you don't know and love Dispatcher John, you need to get to know and love Dispatcher John. He is on, uh, he is a social media maven. He is sometimes referred to as a meme comic. He is also, um, he is also the author, founder, and uh, he runs administrator for a, a page, a Facebook page, a Facebook group called Dispatcher John. And uh, he is kind of like the Pied Piper for dispatchers. We all look up to John. He, he has quite a few followers on Instagram, too. It's at Dispatcher John, one word. I don't know if you can hear me or not. Just give me a tip of the cap if you can. And he can I'm hearing some come through. <laughs> <laughs> so, some we're, we're doing something <laughs> so every once in a while john's gonna give us uh or every once in a while if john's I, if I look like i'm thing. concentrating I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry go ahead yes <laughs> this is exactly what i envision this to be because what i want this show to be is a communication center it's just a typical comm center. The radio works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes your speaker goes out. You got the other John in the upper right-hand corner of your screen working busy, screening calls because I'm about to release the new phone number for our show. And uh, that I got a big weight on that one, so I will. No, we, uh, we, could, we could go ahead and release the new number. Uh, I've already been taking calls to my personal voicemail from various <laughs> members of the Wolfpack who can't wait to reach out. And uh, it caused a huge problem for me here in the comm center, which is just utterly typical. I'm trying to be on the radio and uh, the phone's ringing. So that was the situation there a little bit earlier. And now Dispatch John has disappeared. And he's back. He's coming back. All right. Is he on? Uh, uh, is he on Wilmington uh, Internet there, or what's going on? He, you're, you're not in. The, you're not in the North Carolina area, are you? I'm going to go with a no. Uh, well, actually, that might be a yes. So uh, a listen, yes. <laughs> Jason, uh, the firefighter who I just uh, uh, kind of insulted unintentionally just dropped a $20 super chat. Thank you very much. Tactical dude, always a fan. Uh, he says, because I love Drew, he's going to do great on the show. Thank you, Tactical. Uh, thank you for being with me, Chop Liver, my co-host. And Death's Love uh, Act Man Carry dropped a, 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 a five for tonight, 15 to catch up, and a hashtag of keep Fighting. Keep fighting. Yeah, we got to get him on the show because he's always on night shift too. And I never really know what he's about. But he's an interesting guy. He's a very interesting guy. He just He doesn't say anything, just gives us money, which I guess is fine. John, I'm just going to give you the floor for a minute. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your page? We're good. Uh, Are you there? <laughs> yes, I am. Can you hear me at all? It's still sounding like two robots having sex while they're playing Pong in the 80s on my side. If well, that's exactly me. what we are. I, I'm going to, um, <laughs> hey, go ahead and give us your bio. Give us uh, your, oh, he's gone. Perhaps It's so hard to know if the problem is our problem or if it's his problem because we know by doing that. Okay, so we've got, we're doing our own for our podcast for the first time ever. Okay. Well, we've also got the most technologically complicated podcast. I wish I could. All I could tell you is before the show, Drew and I were talking about what it's like for me to be in this role and 
yeah, it's kind of easy to be a lackey or a sidekick or whatever, but I'm also having to run all of this call screening software and it's every bit as complicated as being a dispatcher on your first day. So uh, every time we hit a snag, we can't tell if it's on our end or their end. We're doing the best we can. So we're all about multitasking and we're all about bad equipment. So John, why don't you relate to the other John that I just have opened the floor to him? He, he, he can give us the wherewithal, who is he, what's, he, what's, what's his message? Okay, now I'm hearing I'm hearing Drew there. I can hear okay, Ben, can you uh, just uh, the floor is yours? Just uh, just give us a, a bio and a background, and and let's let's get into it. Um, I'm a dispatcher. I've been a dispatcher for twenty, starting my twenty third year. I've uh, I got into. Uh, Started out as volunteer fire, and then I worked into EMD. I got out of EMD and transferred to the police department in my town. I've worked there ever since, and it's with uh, uh, social media. I had a video go viral, and uh, I started. The video was the uh, shotgun or gunshots and fireworks. After that, I uh, started writing jokes for pages and uh, I started doing Snapchat with other departments and the reason was to lighten it up and to break up the stress a little bit and um, my department has in my city has a very uh, strict social media policies and they didn't want anything inside the department being posted so I got into writing memes for some pages and then went out on my own and uh it kind of just took off from there uh, there was other pages that helped me and uh was helping me get my name out there and they kind of took me under their wing and some of them I, I didn't even have probably 100 followers and they they would uh i would i could ask them anything at any time and uh, groundwork what should I do what should I do what would you suggest and uh, you know there was it, it's a pretty overall I mean I mean there's probably a few but I mean everybody that I, I work with or I share or uh, stand-up pages that have worked together they've uh, you know Kristen over at uh, uh, Diary of a Mad Dispatcher she she took me under her wing and I, I would ask, you know, should I hit this? Should I go here? Should um, always just it was helpful. And then other pages of, uh, and once I got to a certain point, I always wanted to do that for others, you know, and if someone was new coming out and um, I've always thought of, you know, I'm going to push whoever wants me to push them and help them because they may go farther than me and then bring me along or, and, and, and gone. So like that, but, um, there's, uh, honestly, there's, if I've, I've been watching now for a couple of years and dispatchers are starting, they're bringing the heat with the memes and the pages and they're, <laughs> it's turned out really good. I mean, uh, yeah, I, certainly I, I, 10, I, eight memes comes to mind. Huh? <laughs> 10 comes to mind. Oh, 
Yeah, they're good. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good meme pages out there and, you know, I think, you know, if it's done right, it's, there's a lot of positivity that can come from it. And, um, I'd like to think I'm responsible for cutting down calls on 4th of July for fireworks and gunshots. <laughs> yeah, you just hope they're a little bit educational, don't you? You hope that maybe somebody <laughs> learns that, uh, yeah, they're not gunshots, you know, and that everyone calls in on that. I, I think as there's a, always a little bit of education. Yeah, I, I think part of it, too, is uh, <laughs> it gives the dispatchers, like, we all look up to you. So it gives the dispatchers kind of permission to, to be shitty to the, the people that call in and that know what gunfire sounds like. That's these aren't oh, fireworks. My dad was yeah. in the army. I know what gunfire sounds like. Spent yeah. my whole life around guns and I still don't know that they fizzle at the end. Apparently. So. <laughs> right. They make a squealing sound at the end. Uh, John, I'm going to throw up a few of your memes uh, that I just selected at random. Oh, you know what? I want to I want to talk about this. This is important. I, I think it's hugely important that you're uh, advancing in the profession. I know that you're heavily involved in canine with your department or in the area that you work in, uh, but I was very impressed by this. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on here. Uh, I recently just joined the... Uh crisis negotiation team um they had a spot open up i thought it would be cool to represent the dispatch on it just in case yes i'm a so, i'm a hostage negotiator too yeah i i love it i mean i've just i'm just getting started i've had uh just initiated some training and it's kind of I got it. I got it dealt to me. I mean, the guys didn't take it easy on me. They put me in there. Um, no, we could have a whole show about that, about uh, people who are undergoing that training for the first time and they'll, they'll take a break and they'll barricade themselves in the bathroom and they have to actually be <laughs> talked out of there. Like they actually are in crisis. That's how stressful. I was that sweating. Hey, they were just, they were two doors down. They were just in the next room and we had a drop camera in there and a mic and they were, we threw a phone in and it, I mean, we went through it and it, uh, dude, they had me sweating. I mean, I was sitting at that picture they took right then was when I first got going. And, uh, I'm not kidding you. I was, uh, I was sweating through my shirt. I mean, he was, I mean, he was very, he's experienced. He's been, uh, on it for a while and, He's yeah, been, so what you're talking about is you had someone else there who's an experienced negotiator being a role player as a bad guy, right? Yes, I'm sorry. But, I kind of talked over that. Yeah. Uh, no, that's okay. It's just you've you've he's basically when he's in hostage negotiations training, he'll be on the phone for what? How long do scenarios go? Four hours or until you switch negotiators? And this whole time, much like being a dispatcher, you've got to take all this verbal abuse. And you have to listen to this person say and do all these really morally unconscionable things. And you still have to try to build a rapport with yeah. them so but, that but, you can influence their thinking. And I, even I gotta, the training itself is incredibly stressful. I, I know I'm probably pre preaching to the choir here. I got to ask the question. I mean, um, and this is maybe for the podcast listeners, the, the, the first responder or the cops in the, in the group. Doesn't it stand a reason that the people who talk on the phone for a living and have to get uh, crucial and vital information out of people in a very small amount of time. Um, 
you know, like that really hones your communication skills. It's called the communication center. That's what comm center is short for. Um, and so it doesn't kind of stand a reason that you would train even in the interest of time. Like if you want to, if you want to, uh, call out negotiators just because they have a badge. They're not doing criminal. When you're doing a negotiation, both of you correct me if I'm wrong. You're, you're not doing a criminal investigation. You're you're t- you're talking to a human being and trying to get them to remember that they're a human being. And I, I don't think that there's there's any more qualified position than somebody who knows how to handle emergency crisis situations. Is that what you've run into? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, like. On the team, you know, everyone has a different role, and there is actually another dispatcher on there, and they they went. I mean, they pulled me aside and they said, "Look, he's going to be the intelligence officer, and the he's amazing. I mean, he can track down any form of, and that's just dispatchers. That's what you're known for. That's what we do every day. Yeah, yeah." yeah. And dude, he was full of information. They said, if he's your intelligence, you will get every bit of intelligence that you need. And uh, he did. I mean, uh, and when then, like when we would rotate our roles, he would he gave me pointers of, hey, pull their Facebook, pull this, pull that, go here, and uh, he goes find out anything and everything about them. And I mean, really, the I mean that was my first first time training. It was uh, really got into it and. Um, I mean, he showed me a lot and, you know, everybody knows dispatchers can find out anything at any time <laughs> about anything, <laughs> anything personal or professional. So uh, yeah. have, you, have you, uh, had to employ your skills in the real, uh, real world environment yet? Or is this, uh, you're just certified and waiting, waiting for the first call to come in? Um, I've had a couple calls that I handled in the past that I brought, I guess that was, was going to be classified as my application for the team. And um, I said, here, this is a call that I handled. This is, uh, we had a standoff one time and I was on the phone with them. And then I was on the phone with the people that were in, uh, I guess they were the victims. They were, well, no, they were downstairs in a downstairs apartment. And they had me stay on the phone with them and tell them when to run from the residence and, um, so I used all that to just kind of solidify that I could achieve or handle what I was doing and, and get on the team. And uh, I, I, thus far, I like it. I mean, I haven't I haven't been called out yet, but um, then just the training alone is. The training's fun and you get to meet so many great people. Um, I've met people all over who dispatchers, police officers and. It seems like uh, police officers a lot of times will get uh, they're the ones who kind of get intensive training because they're the ones who are going to be out there on the bridge talking to somebody or whatever. But uh, dispatchers just have a natural talent for it because we talk to people all the time and we gather that intelligence and we're a huge part of it. And uh, one of my trainers told me, and this is no disrespect to anyone, but he said dispatchers are so valuable for hostage negotiations that or crisis negotiations. He said he'd you trade one cop for three dispatchers with as, as much stuff as we can do for those efforts. That's yeah. So true. And I, I, I liked it as real as it was because they, they didn't hold back. I mean, and I, I'm glad they, I'm, I hope they wouldn't because they always, you know, you train like you fight. And right. I just, he, he hit me with things that were hitting close to home with things I was going on in my life that he knew about. And he did, he's, I'm like, hey, man, 
And uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, chill I out. Said, hey, pull his Facebook. <laughs> and uh, the, I the good role he, players will know you, and they don't pull your punches. I, I can remember having the rug absolutely pulled out from underneath me on a very serious and personal issue right away. And uh, one of the things you have to learn when you're a hostage negotiator is that the the role player or the person who's actually in crisis will try to make it personal, and you have to find a way to, to deflect and kind of get back to what's going yeah. on with them. You know, uh, one I, of the things I, one of the things that we've talked about before, John, when you had me on your your live was um, uh, I, I I don't think that cops or firefighters, for that matter, understand the number of times that dispatchers have been on the 911 emergency dispatchers have been on the phone with somebody doing exactly what you're, you know, you're trained to do now. Uh, but trying to talk them out of killing themselves or being the last voice or being the last set of ears that a human hears because they kill themselves on the phone. So who like from a resiliency standpoint, who is more, who is better equipped to handle stuff like this? Like a dispatcher who unfortunately has probably endured this once or twice. It never gets easier or the cop that's going to invest six or seven hours in a negotiation and it still ends the exact same way. Yeah. And I've kind of took a look at it as I, I believe what I, the way that I like to talk to people is confident. I like to present myself either if it's real or if it's bullshit confidence. I hope they're going to feed off that and make them confident in that they're going to trust me and I don't like all the, and it's not that I don't like it. It's, I just like it being more direct because I, they would ask me questions of if someone said this to you and there were, you know, you hear others saying, well, it's, I can relate to you. It sounds like you're having, and I would just know. And they'd be like, this is it. I can't do anything else. This is not it. You have another day. You wake up tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day. And I was just taking the whole direct um, approach of, no, it, this is not all you have. This is not your only option. And uh, that's what I liked about it. Um, I, wouldn't, I wasn't being milly mouth with them at all. Um, the when I was I was going to get to earlier, he said uh, when he was hitting me with the personal stuff, I said, hey, I went to my intelligence. And I said, pull his Facebook. Well, his dog had ran away. So I threw that in and I said, hey, man, I know you got a lot going on right now. And I've got animal control out there chasing your dog. We're trying to help you and get your dog captured and, and, and secured. So, you know, we ain't got to worry about that anymore. And after the training, he came out, he's like, damn, man, you, you brought my dog into this. <laughs> you started it. You know what you were doing. <laughs> that is a that is hitting love. Um, we uh, <laughs> Here, let me throw up another meme. Uh, this is what I like about John. I mean, it's just, uh, if I can find him. It, it's just, you're 100% right in the sense that we're too damn serious. I mean, listen, uh Law enforcement agencies in particular are just now kind of discovering within the last couple of years are just now discovering social media. So they think it's all about the stupid TikTok dances and, and whatever COVID brought us. Um, th there's utility in, in social media and law enforcement. You can get just, the Idaho murder is a, a murder is a classic example. 
But if you're going to be funny, just be funny. I mean, like there has to be a whole separate side to this and you have to understand, or the world has to understand that cops and dispatchers and firefighters, uh, first responders, uh, nurses, it, it is a warped and twisted sense of humor, but it's probably, it's all born out of tragedy. I mean, like if you don't laugh at what you're seeing, you're seeing things that the human brain isn't uh, meant to process. Now, some of the internal things that we have to endure in a comm center is uh, the title of this candle is reheated, uh, reheated tilapia in the break room microwave. Is that not a violation of your department's SOPs? I've been that guy. That's why I shared that. I've cooked tilapia in dispatch. um, One of our main SOPs is that uh, the comm center bathroom is not for dropping a deuce. It's only for crying. So if you're going to go in there, (laughs) make sure you're not. Right. So, I mean, that's another form of resiliency. You you have to hold things for 12 hours at a time. Uh, We have somebody on the line that I want to get to in a second, but this is uh, one of my favorite memes from recent. Uh, that you you put together. Uh, this is the uh, POV when you stop by the fire department after dinner, and they're in their kind of onesies. I think that's a. T- I think that one. Uh, we'll call the one on the far left the, the Where's Waldo. Uh, the one on the right is wearing just sheets. It looks like um, that's a terry cloth number second to the right. He looks like Mike Brady. And then uh, speaking of Mike Brady, Tom Brady is uh, in the dark blue there. Uh, what, what do you suspect he's wearing underneath that? And if you know, and you don't want to say that's fine too. <laughs> probably just saving it for a meme on a different kind of website. Yeah, that could be that, uh, that could definitely be, we're going to take a call for one second here. Again, if you, if you haven't called us yet, I'm going to put the number up again. It's uh, 848-COM-911, 848-COMM-911. That's 848-266-6911. I know that you've been uh, worried about this uh, 757 number that Jonathan has invented. Um, That that has kind of gone by the wayside. We secured a, uh, a, a number calm nine one one. So, um, it kind of just runs in line with the show, but, um, I want to talk to somebody in Cincinnati for a few reasons. One, he's one of my favorite guys. His name is Jason Two, He is probably staging right now because he himself is a firefighter. Jason, are you in your Terry cloth, uh, onesie? <laughs> Are you there? Caller, are you there? No, I see. I don't think he can hear you. So, Jason, I, we're, we're running into some technical difficulties, uh, and I don't know why, but you just gave a very eloquent explanation. I'm hoping it makes it into the uh, into the podcast because it was a, a great explanation, but I'm, I'm going to have to let you go here so we can get back into what we're doing and maybe resolve some of these other issues. But, man... Uh, thank you for calling. Thank you. You're always a huge supporter of ours. You're uh, you're a in w- what I would term a huge athletic supporter, and uh, I admire and respect you. And, and and even with that little firefighter goatee thing you got, he took me to Skyline Chili. He tried to kill me, uh, and we had a blast when we were in Cincinnati. And we are certain to go back up. And we uh, definitely uh, invite you to come down here. We're hoping to do a meetup pretty soon here in South Florida. 
Drew, we just uh, massively uh, shortchanged everybody on the whole call-in aspect of this show. Even now, Jason's still talking because he thinks he's a part of the show. All right, buddy. Why don't we play a voicemail? Thank you. Okay. Thanks. See you. Try one uh, of them voicemails. I think we have a voicemail <laughs> ready to go. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, apparently, I did not go to church because I... Uh, I'm an abject <laughs> failure at this point. Hold on a second. Uh, we're going to play some voicemails for you. Now, someone give me a thumbs up the minute we can hear these. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can. Oh, man. That would put the show in the realm of a, basically a resounding failure if we can't get the voicemails or the callers to work. <laughs> you know, yeah. we worked on this. We've been working on this for months, and we worked on it for hours today, and it uh, and it all worked. But that's one hundred percent live podcast. Do you know who? You know who's doing this? I've got to believe it's Andrea or one of her people who are sabotaging us, who are trying to make us look like bigger jabronis than she is on night shift with her delay. It could possibly be Satan. Let me uh, let me take a look at my settings here and make sure that everything that I have is where it's supposed to be. Test one two three. Yes. Well, there was there was a there was a post today that shared your uh, announcement of the show from Dispatcher Shenanigans, yes. saying that even though she wasn't, even though that that wasn't the first guest, so you know we could look at the look at that page too. I do know that she's. Uh, only kind of offended, but she said that because she likes you so much that she was going to let it slide this time. Or um, mess up everything. Yeah, that could be. I mean, th this could all be sabotage, but I would think that she s would sabotage you first. But you know what? She did kind of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because at first we were having that issue. So, um. I am going to try one more thing, and then uh, if not, I am probably just going to, as John and I discussed, I have a large samurai sword to the left of me, and I am just going to commit Harry. I don't want to jinx it, but right now it's sounding really good. <laughs> Great. All right, hold on. Let's see what we got here. I need some... Uh, Nothing. Do you, can you hear anything? You can hear? Yeah. Oh. The dog's not supposed to... Okay. Yeah, hi. This isn't an emergency, but um, my neighbor's dog just took a shit on my patio, and Typical I need some uh, police assistance because, you see, the dog, the dog's not supposed to be here because I might identify as not person that enjoys dog shit on their patio so if you could bring the police over here and write that dog a ticket i really appreciate it and while you're at it my other neighbor has had his music on from like two o'clock in the afternoon to 5 30 and it's really disturbing to me as an individual because it's really loud and he shouldn't be allowed to have his music on that loud 
I haven't like gone over to talk to him yet or anything because, well, that's not my job to talk to somebody that I have a problem with. That's your job. So, yeah, I'm not going to give you my address. You should just already know because of, I call. So, yes. if you can just send somebody, that'd be great. It's and a, no, I don't want to contact. It's an- <laughs> okay. It's synonymous, and you pay my salary. I really feel like this show is going to end up being a bigger hit than last year's NYPD Christmas party with the rookie and her lieutenant. Here's to the Wolfpack. Cheers. That was uh, that was a correctional officer in California who called me in the middle of the night while I was driving home during a blizzard, and I answered the phone call because I needed to connect with some humanity in that dark moment. And then I actually had to hang up on her and tell her to call me back and leave me a voicemail. And, and she's actually a big member of the Wolfpack uh, and uh, very funny. All right. Bosco. Here's our boy, Bosco. Y'all know that I'm excited for the new direction y'all are heading and uh, got my full support. Ready to rock and roll. Guns up. Giddy up. Much love, brothers. And uh, Merry Christmas. A little late, Bosco, but uh, prismatic, just like your vehicle. I appreciate your accent there. It's always fun to hear. And it's undoubtedly blaring the Allman Brothers Band and or Tedeschi Trucks. Here's another. Uh, my name is Alabama Trans. You know, I call them because uh, hopefully I got the right number, but it's an all-out blizzard out here in Alabama. I'm talking full-on wide out, doom and gloom at 51 degrees, and I mean, it's really coming down out there. And my hemorrhoids uh, isn't so bad, and I need a steroid, but damn it, this whole town done shut down, and I can't get a ride to the hospital, and, and dispatch keeps hanging up on me, and I got a real flare-up here, man. I got a real flare-up, and my hemorrhoids, and all I need is steroid, and, and I heard that you guys are some kind of calm center dispatch for the whole world, and I just think that's real great that y'all are doing that for the world, but hey, man, you kind of do me a favor and get somebody down here to give me a lift to the uh, to the hospital, to the ER, so I can get a steroid for my hemorrhoids. All right. Well, again, my name's Alabama Transy. I live at 69 uh, Flare Up Way. Okay, man, thanks a lot. Thanks for doing the Lord's work for us out there. Amen. A- Alabama Transy sounds familiar. Hey, John. It's Brian. Colin, how are you, man? Uh, it's uh, middle of the night here in Northern California. Just uh, working, but I thought I'd touch base with you guys. Uh, just wanted to hit on something that we spoke to or spoke to on uh, Messenger. Um, just how overlooked uh, dispatch is pretty much all the time. So, little history like I kind of gave you, I was a five year dispatcher turned uh, deputy now for uh, three years. And, uh, you know, I saw it when I was working there, I see it when I'm working patrol as well. There's you know, administration often overlooks dispatchers. They uh, they stick them in the corner, treat them like uh, you know they're less than uh, average citizens. But um, I just wanted to see if you guys can maybe you know talk about that a little bit. Just how uh, important the job is, how uh, important the relationship is between uh, dispatch patrol and how they kind of weave everything together. Um, can't wait for the show. Super pumped to hear you and Drew uh, on a weekly basis talking about uh, stuff that really hits home and, um, you know, touches on all kinds of different topics. So uh, best of luck to you guys. Uh, Hope to hear from you soon. And uh, guns up. Giddy up. That's music to my ears. 
He said that to me like a month ago. I hope that he's not massively disappointed. I hope his hopes haven't been held high this entire time. The only time. thing he's disappointed about is not hearing Jason's phone call. Now, we well, can get Jason back on the line if he calls in. Did we fix the settings so that uh, the audience can hear him? I just wanted to leave a message for Com Center and the Wolfpack. Air Christmas. Guns up, giddy up. Uh, I don't want to use too many F words and say fuck too many times. So Drew makes me put some money in the swear jar or something. So happy holidays and looking forward to Com Center. This is totally what uh, the the gamut of, of who we're going to um, <clears throat> deal with in our everyday lives as dispatchers. Um, and you know what it's most important about doing this is uh, getting a good night's rest. And you wonder why I say that. Well, you can't get a good night's rest if you're not on a ghost bed. We love ghost bed. They've been a loyal sponsor since day one to failure to stop. All of our fans just rave about them. I know that Brittany Faulkner talks about her ghost bed. I believe she even has a ghost crib. And if she doesn't, I hope she doesn't reveal the truth. They have super comfortable mattresses that last forever. And they're made in the good old USA. I'm only saying that once. Every mattress has a 20-year warranty, and you can try it out for 101 nights. Nobody cares. If you don't like it, you just send that thing back. No hard feelings. Roll it up, plastic wrap it together, stick a stamp on it. They'll take it back. No questions asked. They may even come and massage your back if it's out of whack. One of our favorite parts about GhostBed is that each mattress has cooling technology in it, so uh, if you get hot at night, like we do down here in uh, the swamps of Florida, these things are a lifesaver. So uh, what I want you to do is go to, if you're looking, if you're in the market for a bed or you're in the market for linens or comfortable pillows and all things bedding, I want you to go to the GhostBed website. Right now, GhostBed is offering a flash sale. I'm sure that if you go to ghostbed.com slash wolfpack do you use the code wolfpack you're going to get a significant discount you're 40 percent drew how what's that it's 40 percent. how do they even stay in business for god's sakes 40 percent might be 35 we don't know i'll tell you what though l7 and l uh in r1 will be in alignment your chakras will be in alignment and it's all because of ghostbed and it's all because the wolfpack sent you so tell them the wolf pet the wolf pack sent you so john what do you think we should do from here because we still have just dispatcher john who's a valuable asset i have other memes that we can share uh but i didn't know if you had another caller available to us well something that caller said i wanted to touch on he said what what can we do to bridge the gap or get a, uh, it was cutting out and i was I got the gist of it, but, you know, every dispatcher needs to know that really it's our, it's our job. It's our, it's almost our responsibility to, to get it out there. I mean, I got the most notoriety when I started pushing back and uh, giving it right back to everybody that was making fun or making jokes of dispatchers. And that's, I, that's just when I started seeing uh, my numbers grow or whatever. But I mean, even before all this, I was always the guy that would um, 
you know, I gave it right back to the, any joke they had, I, I would match it and hit it with another one. And, uh, I just, it's, it's us to fight back. I mean, not literally fight back, but we have to fight back and we have to get what's ours and the notoriety of it and, and get out there. And because the day that I was like, somebody said, you're just a dispatcher. And I was like, you're damn right. I am. And here's what I can do. It seems like from that day forward, just embracing it. That's when I started, um, enjoying it more, learn more, getting involved more. And, uh, yeah, you definitely have to have that self-respect because when people call, you're, you're not really the person they want to talk to. They think you're a police officer. They think you're a doctor or whatever it is that they need. And the first mm -hmm. thing they'll ask is, well, can I talk to a, a cop? And you're like, well, I know more about what's going on than probably they do. And I know more about how to help. Yeah, you if you want two steps that. back. <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, one, uh, a story that um, I talked to dispatchers all over. And I had one that was telling me that I took a call and come to find out it was like a retired um I don't want to give too much away, but it was a retired coworker for a separate department. And um, the dispatcher heard when the crews got through the door and uh, it was kind of getting to them that they were on the phone with uh, the person when they passed. And uh, I said, you know, you need, I said, no, you, you gave him what, nobody else could he was not alone when he passed right he knew that he was with family you were on the line with him and uh there's always that's just the way I, i've always i want people to look at things um they it was touching i mean i i'm sorry we completely align in this thought i i had i had a uh a, a friend uh, who hit me up with the DMs because he had gone through a pretty traumatic situation. And, uh, you know, he made light of it in a sense. And I just kind of explained to him, and it's almost not a throwdown explanation I have, but I mean, like I've used it before with the dispatchers that I work with because they've been through some pretty shitty things too. Um, you know, instead of looking at the curse of, you know, why me? Why, why did God choose me to be on the phone to hear this, to have to try to sort this out and endure it? Um, how about you reframe that um, into God actually chose you to be on the phone to endure that? Because, um, you know, it's just it's not a meme or an old adage where you're like, <laughs> you know, he's not going to give you too much that you can't handle. But it's the it's actually the honor of being able to. Uh, be in the presence of somebody who's taking their last breath and, and you providing them comfort. I mean, it, it certainly isn't what anybody signs up for, but the risk is always there of it occurring and it's going to produce some kind of uh, lasting memory on you, whether it's good or it's bad, but um, not everything has to be uh, totally negative in the profession. And, and I, I think that there are way more, uh, honorable things that go on in that communication center. And that's what the show I want to be about is to get the word out that th this isn't, you know, even, even in general memoirs, which I will engage in, you know, 24 seven, but um, 
this isn't about us and them. This is about we, and, and we all need to kind of understand that we all have a role in this and it's an equal role. Unfortunately, the dispatchers aren't treated the same. They're, they're, they're considered, um, you know, it's, it never ceases to amaze me that people say that, you know, the job's not dangerous, but that, that that's, that's so far from the truth. The, the job is very dangerous. When, when I was the administrator in a communication center, we had uh, two dispatchers die that while I was up there. I mean, it's dangerous. People, people die, not from the acute danger of gunfire or being run over by a car or having a roof collapse on them when they're trying to put the fire out, but it's the associated diseases that come along with just prolonged and, um, just trauma after trauma after trauma and, and you have no warning and you have no, you have no way of controlling it. And guess what happens when you hang that phone up, the next call comes in and you have no control over that. And you have to hear people, the best people in their worst moments. And um, I think it's time that if you're not going to recognize dispatchers in the form of they are first responders. I mean, we had a, we had an issue here in the state of Florida, the great state of Florida, where Governor DeSantis issued $1,000 checks to all the first responders, but he kind of snubbed the, the dispatchers because they're not in that job classification. Uh, they're still stuck in the clerical classification. Um, it's time that we start giving them the recognition they deserve, the mental health help that they deserve. And certainly uh, we need to look at their retirements and their their status. I mean, I know that there's a, that 911 saves act that's, that's been uh, passed around. And from what I understand was actually slipped into that big $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. Uh, so it's passed, but um, all that does is it just makes the department of labor reclassify an emergency dispatcher as such as an emergency worker. So uh, there's progress, but there's a lot of room to be made. You're, you're making pro like, this is all grassroots. Like John, you're making progress in, in this field. And, and that's what I want this to be. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. It, it's nice to see that, you know, state here and there, you know, they're passing it and then, you know, it's just going to keep growing and growing and it's, uh, it's nice to see that. And, and I, what I, the, something that I've noticed, uh, you kind of hit on more earlier, uh, dispatchers are bringing heat right now with, um, a lot of them are becoming, uh, physical fitness trainers. People's just kicking ass, working out. And I mean, that's, you know, there's always, you know, the uh, people saying you look good, you feel good. It's so important for, I think people in our, our occupation, our field is, uh, you have to fight every day, but you go in and it's nothing but just bad, bad, you know, every once in a while you get a good call, everyone, you know, but you're, like you said, you're hearing the worst of everybody. And then it's like double hard. It's you, we have to double down too, because to, um, the mental health aspect alone, and, you know, I'll, I hear from a lot of apartments and they're just not, it's not a priority. And uh, is if there is, and something I will throw out whenever there's a call or something that uh, any, you're going to get hit with a call, no matter how, there's going to be something get you at some point. And 
anytime they do a debriefing or there's something that should involve dispatch, I'll be like, where's the dispatcher? Yeah. Sometimes it's a chore to get, get them to recognize that the person that needs to be in there front and center is the dispatcher. That's, that's who got the ball rolling and that's who heard the most critical part of the whole thing. Right. I mean, Unless yeah. an officer involved shooting or something that that it's an on view situation, but you know when somebody calls on the and this happened when I worked up there when somebody calls nine one one and says, um, "Hey, a chopper, a helicopter just fell out of the sky and chopped my truck in half, and I think my father's dead." And and EMS is trying to give them pre arrival instructions. Are you sure you can, you can't get a pulse? And finally, the guy says, "There is." a fucking propeller through his body. You know what I mean? Like he had to, he had to spell it out. So now two dispatchers are affected by that. Obviously the guy is affected by that. And then every cop and, and firefighter that uh, a paramedic that shows up is affected by that. But you're hearing that raw. You're not pulling up on it when things are starting to settle down. Not that it's going to be any better in that situation, but you're hearing it raw. So, I think we need to get a little bit better about recognizing that part and at least giving closure to some of these things that they endure. If you know, Drew, the other thing is, sorry, just the other thing, you know, Drew mentions this scenario with a helicopter and, you know, you think that that's something that's pretty preposterous or like a once in a lifetime event. Uh, But any 911 dispatcher that's taken any calls for any amount of time has something like that. Uh, you know, uh, you take a call for an unknown medical, you ask them as a person breathing, they're not breathing. You start giving CPR instructions and uh, the person is in such shock. They finally say their head's gone because there's a shotgun in the room. You know, uh, it doesn't have to be something as uh, big or, you know, uh, like a big blockbuster movie for it to be, something utterly devastating. Uh, we all know that suicides happen every day, certainly suicides by firearms. And 911 dispatchers are talking to the people, often friends and loved ones who find them. And you're in that moment with them, whether you like it or not. And there's no training for how to properly empathize with them or help them get through it. And you can't hang up the phone. You're in there. You're just in there with them. And it's, uh, it's real. Very real. Yeah. Well, th- I mean, just to show you how, how quick it can go from in our department, you know, in, in our in dispatch to the patrol, it can go from ho hum to oh shit real quick. Just recently, I, I took a uh, nine one one hang up. Dispatchers everywhere happens multiple times a day. Didn't I mean uh, you know call back? I can hear someone. It, they say, I don't have an emergency and hung up. I tried to call back. It goes to voicemail. So um, we sent an officer out to verify just to make sure nothing was wrong. Uh, officer pulls up and the guy came out and engaged him with a firearm. So it was, I'm on scene. He's got a gun. He's got a gun. Shots fired within seconds. So Everybody, you have to live with having sent them out there, you know. Right. <clears throat> the way that that call hit me, it's getting kind of more and more these days. I guess it's been so long, but 
I almost sent an officer to his last call is the way I looked at it. And it was people like, well, you're stretching. I went, no, no, it was just doing a routine. This is go. It's going to be no big deal to people screaming within seconds. Nightmare. I I, I can tell you, I, I know it's, it's obscure that we bring up helicopters and I definitely don't want to bring everybody down here, but uh, that actually happened to me when I was a dispatcher. I, I was involved in an incident. I was, I, I told this story on a podcast before, but I was involved in an incident where um, they ended up sending a, another agency's helicopter out to do a search and kind of a search and rescue or search and recovery. And there was bad weather and the chopper went down and the pilot and the officer died. And I, I'm telling you to this day, it's been uh, well over 31 years. I know that I sent that guy to his death and it's not like, just like you say, John, you're dead on. People tell you all the time. No, it's not you. It's, you know, it's the butterfly effect or it's fate or it's whatever you can say, whatever you want. I mean, I know what happened. I know exactly what happened and it wasn't intentional. It certainly wasn't intentional, but it doesn't make it any less sad. So, um, you know, I, I just think that there is room for communication, uh, outside of communications. And I think that that's uh, what we're looking to do here. I want to end, end on a high note. Um, I, I, I want to serve that purpose and uh, we're going to do it with John's help. Uh, it, both John's uh, co-host John and, and dispatcher John, hopefully you'll come back again uh, with us. Let me share one more meme with you. Anytime. Just, just to, uh, I'm only just thinking about coming back through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only thinking about letting you come back. So uh, just how about this? Uh, so I said, uh, so I so I said, I don't have a damn clue where zone six is. And the alarm company dispatchers look, at, you know, perhaps this isn't a great representation on the screen, but uh, it's, it's George Costanza and Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, every alarm company dispatcher has a situation in zone six. Do they not? And they will saying. never have that key holder and or subscriber information nope. when you nope. need it. No. They know nothing. Even telematics companies won't know the make, model, or color of the vehicle. So, <laughs> To give you uh, a little insight, um, something that I'm getting involved with now is I've, uh, I'm teaming up. I kind of put out a teaser the other day, but I'm teaming up with uh, American Emergency preparedness AEP training they're bringing me on as a consultant and I'm going to be going around training dispatchers and uh, I actually mentioned that to them I'm like hey someone other look at training uh, alarm company dispatchers and they actually have a, a, a different set of classes for that and I'm like they I mean they need it and I said I think it we would be the best dispatchers going and talking to them and telling them our side of what we get when they call us and how important it could be. And I'd like to, but the, that's, that's coming up pretty soon. Um, Great for you, man. You're, you're, you're born to do that. Like you're, you're really good at getting the message out and obviously good at delivering the message, you know? Um, I'm hoping. I think that, go ahead. You're hoping. Uh, mm -hmm. John, co-host john jb i'm sorry his name is jb do you have any final words 
Well, uh, no, I wanted to thank everybody for joining us on the first show. You know, we had some hiccups. This is the most technically complicated uh, episode uh, in the week of Failure to Stop. I, I have so much equipment here and so many wires going all over the place, and we have so many different forms of software. I will tell you that uh, Drew and I, uh, being so embarrassed, we will uh, be absolutely just paralyzed awake for the next week until we can get this all figured out. Um, yes. It's that just like that feeling when you go home and you're feeling good and you didn't take home any stress and then you realize you forgot to cancel that warrant. It's going to stick in our brain uh, for the rest of the week. Uh, you left you left them in the holding cell. Uh, yep. John, I bid you adieu. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick in back in the waiting room. Stick around for one second if you don't mind. Uh, Wolfpack, we will see you tomorrow for the uh, Eric Tanzi and myself version of Failure to Stop. It'll be a, a wonderful breakdown. We're going to talk. Uh, uh, well, you know what? I don't even know if I want to tease what we're going to talk about. I do think that it's an important topic because it's a growing situation. Uh, perhaps we need to be holding the judiciary a little bit more accountable. Um, but listen, uh, all uh, technical glitches aside, our hearts are in the right place, but we want your uh, hearts in the right place too. And uh, we certainly want to give dispatchers a voice and we want to give uh, the cops who have questions and or support and firefighters, even if, uh, if somebody can draw them a picture to get them to the website, uh, we will meet, we will reconvene next Thursday night at eight, hopefully with uh, probably um, some better uh, tactics and equipment. But until then, thank you for joining us. Guns up, giddy up, and we'll see you on the rebound. Have a good night. <laughs>